0: Macro Podcast number two ninety nine for May second, twenty twelve. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Two weeks ago, a group of us gathered around the virtual table to grind iTunes into the dust. Now, as much fun as it is to second guess our betters, it's not always helpful. In this episode, we once again look at iTunes, but this time from the angle of problem solving and oft overlooked features. Let's do that now with Macworld's Ask the iTunes Guy, Kirk McAlearn. I'm joined by senior contributor Kirk McAlearn, also known as the iTunes Guy, to talk, well, what else? iTunes. Thanks for being here, Kirk. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me again. Sure. Ask the iTunes Guy is now a regular feature of Macworld.com, appearing every other Friday, Although I'm sure you're happy to have a gig, why is it necessary to have a column devoted to iTunes? I mean, after all, it's not like we have an ask the keynote guy or ask the text edit guy.
1: Well, it turns out that, first of all, as we all know and as Jason Snell recently um, complained about on Macworld, iTunes is a What would be the best word? It's a labyrinthine program. It's a tentacular program. It covers so many different things, and it's used in so many different ways that it can be confusing. Um, In addition to that, it's the gateway to iOS. And when we look at Apple's sales figures, we see that they sell a bunch of Macs, but they sell a metric boatload of iPhones and iPads and, well, not too many iPod Touches anymore, but iTunes is the program that pretty much anyone who uses a Mac is going to be using at one point or another.
0: Okay, and also PC users. This is one of those rare Apple applications that's jumped platforms. And not only
1: is it Jump Platforms, but it is almost exactly the same on Windows. The only real exception is we're very familiar on the Mac to using the command key for keyboard shortcuts. And on Windows, it's the control key. Um, other than that, almost everything is the same. There, there are some features in iTunes that don't exist, and, and one is something that we've discussed before, um, which is AppleScript. Um, Mm -hmm. My good friend Doug Adams, who writes uh, Apple scripts for iTunes, um, is always getting email from Windows users saying, well, this is great, but how do I do this on Windows? And Apple hasn't wanted to put anything like that into iTunes, probably correctly so, and there's nothing on the Windows end either. Um, But other than that, if you know how to use iTunes on a Mac, you know how to use it on a PC and vice versa.
0: Okay. So... Although I, I don't really want to repeat the discussion we had two weeks ago, which is where we just ripped iTunes from one end to the other. What are some of the common problems that people have with iTunes, and is there anything that they can do to resolve some of these problems?
1: Well, after we launched the Ask the iTunes Guy column, um, we expected to get a handful of emails, and we got like 200 of them in the first few days. Um, and a real large number of these emails are about iTunes Match. Now, mm-hmm. iTunes Match, as you know, is can be slightly confusing, but it, it's somewhat frustrating because you may have an album where nine out of ten tracks match, and one gets uploaded. Um, you may have music that matches and gets up or gets uploaded, and when you download it, you don't have album art or lyrics. Um, your your playlists don't work the same from, let's say, your Mac to your iPhone. Your play counts are supposed to update, but they don't always. So there are all sorts of questions about that. And that's probably currently the most confusing part of iTunes. I mean, my iTunes guy mailbox has 442 messages currently. Um, in other words, these are all the ones that I've been saving after taking out the ones that we've used for existing columns. And some of them are... A lot of questions about tagging, a lot of questions about putting an iTunes library on another disk, which can be confusing because if your external disk or your um, network server isn't on when you launch iTunes, all of your music seems to have disappeared. At least iTunes thinks it has. Um, right. Tons of questions about the best ways to sync things. It, it's it's hard to, on the one hand, i iTunes is, is one of the programs that's always open on my Mac, and I'm a you know big music fan, as people who read my columns have figured out. Um, and I know how to do an awful lot with it. But even I get stumped sometimes by some of these questions.
0: So is there anything people can do about iTunes Match other than trying again or just waiting for Apple to issue an update? No, Um you can
1: 't uh, if you 've already matched your library and let 's say you 've got nine out of ten songs on an album that have matched and one that 's uploaded, the only thing you can do is remove the songs that are uploaded from from the cloud and try and rematch them. But in my experience this doesn 't seem to be doing very much um, it, it, pretty much the same songs get uploaded. Uh, and I've tried sometimes and I even saw a different song uploaded and matched and there's something really confusing going on. We, we really need Apple to improve it. The problem is that if they do improve this whole process and things start getting matched more, um, will, will the cloud see that you had a song that was previously uploaded and replace it with something matched or not? So it, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty tough call to figure out how they're going to actually fix this.
0: Now let's talk a little bit about moving libraries because I know it's confusing for a lot of people. Apple has issued its instructions and and that's about, you know, changing where your library is and then you consolidate the library. And I found that sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And is is there a magic bullet for this?
1: You know, it's an interesting question because I did write an article about this maybe a year or so ago on Macworld. um, And I tested it a number of times and it always worked for me, but I've heard from a lot of people that did have problems. So the only thing that I suggest is that once you consolidate it and you've got all the music in your uh, location A, let's call it, and you want to move it to location B, once you've consolidated it, try Apple's suggestion or or look up the article um, that I wrote on Macworld. If it doesn't work, Go back to the old location, delete everything in the new location, and try it again. It's very possible that, who knows, there was some sort of a gamma ray that hit one of the platters (laughs) on your hard disk while you were doing something, and the iTunes gods um, got a little bit upset. Um, I've tried this plenty of times, and I've done it from Windows to Mac, um, as well, moving libraries and i 've never really had this kind of problem, but as you say, a lot of people do have problems. W- one of the things I think could have something to do with external hard disks or network servers that may be for a very short time may not be available, mm-hmm. um, and maybe iTunes freaks out at that point and says it 's not fast enough we can 't find it or whatever
0: you know, yeah, I have found that to be the case because I think that i 've moved libraries, so I keep my library on a network server. And I find it works, and then a couple of weeks later, I find that my music is not being copied to the server where it's supposed to, but instead it's going back to my local drive, which is why I moved it in the first place, because I didn't want to clutter up that local drive with, with music. And yet iTunes has been on the whole time. The network server's been on the whole time. It should go there, and yet somehow it doesn't.
1: Yeah, I if, if, I, if, if you're adding music to iTunes or ripping a CD, and iTunes detects that it can't find that location it immediately defaults to the music folder in your home folder and it won't go back to your other location until you do it manually so it could be just that there's a just a little glitch on your network and you know your network server couldn't be seen for just a second which is all it takes
0: right so i know that you have a huge music library yet would you still recommend to everybody that they have a backup of their music I would recommend to everybody that they have two or three backups of
1: their music um, and I'll give you an example why um, this past weekend I ripped a bunch of CDs 20 25 CDs it took I don't know, three hours, you know, it takes a few minutes per CD, but you spend the time re-tagging because I'm obsessive and I want the tags to be a certain way, particularly for classical music, and then you spend the time finding album art, um, which can take a little while depending on what you're looking for, so we're talking, you know, several hours for 20 or 25 CDs. Now, multiply this by the number of CDs that you have, or calculate how much you've spent on all the music that you bought from iTunes or Amazon or other vendors, um, Look at the amount of money you spent, look at the time you spent, and see how much trouble it would be to recover all of that music if you didn't have a backup. In other words, how much would you have to spend for all the music you downloaded? How much time to re-rip all of your music? Um, I'm a belt and suspenders backup guy. I have my iTunes library an external disk because my uh, main hard disk isn't big enough. I back that up to another external hard disk. Um, I back that up to a bigger external hard disk and I have a pair of hard disks that I rotate every Friday to a safe in my garage now the safe isn't because I'm worried about people stealing it but because it's fireproof so if anything happens the fire or the house collapses or whatever um, then I'll still have my music and my music and the rest of my files I don't do this just for my music I back up everything
0: Right. Now, what about alternatives to iTunes? If you don't like it or if it's not working for you, is there anything out there that people can use instead?
1: Well, it depends on your use of iTunes. First of all, if you want to sync to an iOS device, it's iTunes. Um, Mm -hmm. Second of all, if you have a big library... I've tried a number of these alternative programs, and none of them really work well with a big library. Um, You know that iTunes can be slow with a big library, but the other programs can be even slower. So almost everyone who's using iTunes probably has... Uh, an iOS device and so they're going to need to sync um, you could use something there are some simple apps that will let you just play individual tracks and all that if all you want to do is li- listen to some music and not launch iTunes but mm-hmm. frankly I don't see the, the use of that and, unless you've got music that you don't want to add to your iTunes library um, and I know that there are some people who are in the recording business and they don't want to keep adding everything to their iTunes library um, but other than that it just doesn't seem worth the trouble to me
0: Right. Okay, so what are some iTunes features that you particularly like that most people either ignore or are unaware of? Um,
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things that people aren't aware of is the column browser. Now, if you are in iTunes and you click on music, that's going to show your music library. Um, If you choose View Column Browser, Show Column Browser, or you can just press Command-B, you get this little well, column browser that displays at the top of the window. And you can have a number of columns. The basic columns are genre, artist, and album, but you can also add composer and grouping. Um, so what I do is I have 34 genres of music, and if I click on one of the genres, um, for instance, chamber music, because I make my genres like that, um, I then have 116 composers, and then I can drill down to albums. So if you're looking for music... And you know what you're looking for, and your library is well organized, this is a good way to get sort of get through the big cloud that you might have of 50 or 100,000 tracks and narrow it down much more quickly. For instance, if I want to listen to some of Beethoven's string quartets, um, I click on chamber music and then Beethoven, and then I can look and see all the different chamber music recordings I have and choose which one I
0: want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, because you're the iTunes guy, I'm going to guess that you have a few handy keyboard shortcuts that make working with iTunes easier. So, could, would you care to share some? Sure. Um, w- the first one that everyone should know is the space
1: bar. When iTunes is the frontmost application, um, the space bar will start playing the selected track or the first track in a playlist and pressing the spacebar again will pause it. So if you've got iTunes and you keep the window in the front or some people you know, even have two screens and keep it in the front, it's the best way to start and stop playing. Um, One that I use a lot is Command L. Now, what Command L does is it jumps in iTunes to the currently playing track. Now, I may be listening to something in a playlist and adding music and tagging music in one place or another, and I want to go back to where I was, Command-L, boom, I'm right back to the the track that's playing. Of course, this doesn't stop it from playing. The music is still on. It just changes the focus in iTunes to the track that's currently playing. Command-Option-F is a great keyboard shortcut, not only for iTunes, but also for some other apps. Uh, it jumps to the search field, and so if you're in uh, your music library and you want to search for I don't know, let's say the clash. Command option F, C-L-A-S-H, and you find everything by the clash. Now, what's interesting is that this is a keyboard shortcut that's used in many Apple applications. Um, If you're in Safari, it goes up to the search field as well. If you're in Mail, it goes to the search field. Um, And even some third-party applications use it as it's pretty much a standard keyboard shortcut. Any more? Any more? Sure. Um, if you tag a lot of music, um, so when you, um, for, for those who don't understand, tags are the bits of text that describe music. So the name of an album is one tag, an artist's name is another tag, a song name is another tag. And when you rip music or even if you download music and you want to change the tags, um, you'll want to select your songs and use the info window, which you can access by pressing Command-I. Now, When you're doing this, um, you have a number of keyboard shortcuts that can make tagging quicker. If you select multiple items, you can press Command 1, 2, 3, or 4, and these will go to the different tabs, Info, Video, Sorting, or Options. If you press Command-I when you've selected a single item, you've got more tabs, so you've got Summary, Info, Video, Sorting, Options, Lyrics, and Artwork. And it's the same, Command-1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. It'll get you from one to the next. Um, while you're there, if you're, if you're tagging a single track, let's say you're in the info tab of a single track and you've just changed the name of a track and you want to go to the next track and change the name as well, you can press command N and it will go to the next track or command P and it will go to the previous track. You'll notice that when you do select those items, there are, are next and previous buttons. Mm-hmm. So these command
0: shortcuts, the N for next and P for previous, just do what those buttons do. Interesting. And so they've they've taken Command P, which is the universal print shortcut, and they've they've molded it to their own devices. But only when this window is is the right, frontmost right. window. If right. a
1: regular window is frontmost, then it'll actually go to print something in iTunes. And that, believe me, is a discussion for another day because printing in iTunes is neither
0: very useful nor very efficient. You have a last keyboard shortcut.
1: Yeah, um, option delete. Now, if you select a single item, multiple items, or a playlist, and you press option delete, this will delete what you've selected from your iTunes library entirely. Now, this is different from just pressing the delete key. For instance, if you're in a playlist, and you click on a song and press the delete key, that only removes it from the playlist, not from your library. Option delete, you'll get an alert, of course, warning you afterwards, but option delete removes not only from the playlist, but from the library. And it
0: works for anything. It works for apps.
1: It works for videos, um, playlists, or anything that you want.
0: So I know that you're a classical music enthusiast. So how well does iTunes serve the needs of a listener like you? Over the years, I've learned how to
1: bend iTunes to my will. Mm -hmm. Um, iTunes could serve my needs much better. If you buy classical music from the iTunes store... Not all tracks you buy, but many tracks use a tag that, that's labeled grouping. Um, for example, um, let's see. Uh, if I go to Bella Bartok's string quartet number four, the grouping tag from the iTunes store will say string quartet number four, uh, comma, SZ91, which is the number. But there's no way for me to really sort by grouping in iTunes. Now, you can do it in the column browser, but what I would like to be able to do is for instance, make a smart playlist that picks one grouping at a time rather than one album or one track because a grouping is a work. A work could be one movement, it could be a single, uh, it could be a song, for instance, in classical music, or it could be a symphony with three or four or six movements or something else. So the grouping tag is used in the iTunes store, but it's not used correctly in iTunes. Um, this makes it a little, it, it it's it's sort of a tease that says, wow, it could be so much better if you could use the grouping tag in smart playlists. Um, but on the other hand, you can't. So what you end up doing is my choice, and, and I've made this choice because not so much of iTunes, but because of the iPod and iOS devices. I put the composer's name in the artist tag and the composer's name in the composer tag. Uh, under the album, I put the name of the work or album depending on which it is with a dash and then the name of the artist now the reason for this is if you put the artist name and the artist tag um it's such a mess on the iPod to try and find anything that it just defeats the purpose mm-hmm. um, a lot of people, a lot of music that you'll rip from CD and you'll get tags from what's called the Grace Note database in iTunes, they all have the composer's name at the beginning of the name tag, which is the song name, movement name, or whatever. Um, I don't find this useful at all. I don't want the composer's name there because I want to be able to find the composer in the composer tag, for instance. So y- you have to kind of figure out what, the most convenient way for your method of searching or organizing your music is and mine's not the only one I know plenty of classical um, music fans who use iTunes in totally different ways Um, they'll put actual artists in the artist tag they'll put they'll never use the composer tag they'll put the composer in the album tag in every way you can imagine Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of have to develop a strategy and stick to it for instance um, one thing is depending on where you buy music a name like um, Johann Sebastian Bach is going to be spelled in many different ways. It could be Johann Sebastian Bach. It could be J.S. Bach. It could be Bach, J.S. It could be Bach, Johann Sebastian. What is really important is to normalize, to choose the, the method you want for the composer's name and to normalize all the music. Otherwise, all of your Bach will be listed under four or six composers. Right. Um, I-, I use the standard last name, comma first name because it makes more sense to sort the name of a composer by the last name. Um, But some people do it first name, last name. But no matter what, you have to choose the exact same spelling so you don't have the same composer's
0: music listed in different places uh, at different times. Now, is there some easier way to do that other than doing it manually? Is there an Apple script or something you can get from Doug Adams? No, unfortunately. Um, And I've been...
1: I've, I have I bug Doug regularly um, about new script ideas. Um, I wish there were some way to organize classical music better and you could click a couple of buttons and boom, it would be done. I guess, Doug, if you're listening, think about this. Maybe a script with a list of composers' names and it parses the name in the composers' tag and lets you choose the version you want and, and you could have like little tokens to drag around to have the order. I don't know, something like that. It could make things a little bit easier. But frankly, changing a composer name is... is It's simple. You select all the tracks, press Command-I, go to the composer tag, type. And since iTunes auto-completes, you just type a few letters generally
0: um, and press Return. So it's not really something that takes a long time. Well, since we've given Doug some work, let's give him some praise as well. So what are some of your favorite scripts of his?
1: Well, um... Yeah, it, without Doug Adams, quite honestly, iTunes on the Mac would not be what it is. And so it's DougScripts.com. Um, Doug has tirelessly collated and created Apple Scripts for, God, 10 years, if not more. Yeah. Um, for instance, so this weekend I was re-ripping some CDs that I'd ripped a long time ago, and they, they, they sounded like there were a couple of glitches in some of them. And he has a great script called Copy Tag Info Tracks to Tracks. So in one playlist, I put the old tracks. In another playlist, I put the new rips. I go back to the first playlist and I copy all the tag info from the old ones, go back to the second playlist, and the script pastes it all into the new ones. And this includes the artwork and lyrics and anything else. It includes play counts, last play date, ratings, and everything. Um, so, and I used to use this. You used to be able to drag tracks from the iTunes store into a playlist. And you can't do that anymore. Um, So I used to go to the iTunes store, and for albums that I had ripped where I didn't get good tags from GraceNote, because that database is different from the iTunes store database, I would drag them into a playlist, and then I would use this script to copy them and then paste them onto my uh, rips. And that would be, you know, it would save me a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one I use very often is called search-replace-tag-text. Um, so someone has submitted tags for a particular album uh, that contain odd characters or extraneous words or something like that. And this is basically a find-replace. You choose which tag to look in and it searches and it replaces with what you want. Um, Doug made me a nice script a couple of weeks ago. Um, Roman numerals to uppercase. I was finding that when I was ripping certain uh, classical recordings, movement numbers are often in Roman numerals, uh, I, 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 V, V, etc., And sometimes they'd be lowercase and sometimes they'd be uppercase. And it just annoyed me aesthetically to see on the same album some uppercase and lowercase. And it was really time-consuming to change it manually. So Doug did a little regular expression magic and whipped up a script. And it works all the time. You just... Launch the script, and any time it finds Roman numerals, it's going to automatically shift them to to uppercase. One more that I use very often is called "Remove N characters from front or back," N being a variable. Now, I mentioned earlier that the GraceNote database will often give you tags, um, track name tags, with the composer's name at the beginning. So, for instance, if you're downloading Mozart's Requiem, it will say Mozart colon space, and then it will have the names of the movements. So, with this. Uh, script. I can select all the tracks, and uh, the script is. It actually has a live preview, so you can see. You don't even have to count the tracks. You just click the up or the down arrow to find, and you'll see the spot where it's going to cut off, and it will remove as many characters as you want from either the front or the back of a tag, hence removing all of these composers'
0: names very easily. As I mentioned recently, we talked on the podcast about the many ways that iTunes was broken and what might be done to fix it. And you're the guy that we should also include in this conversation. So first of all, do you think iTunes is broken? And second, what would you do or what do you foresee for a future version of iTunes?
1: Well, Jason's complaint originally was about iTunes syncing. And... Would it be fair to say that iTunes is broken because there are problems with syncing? Or would it be fair to say that iTunes syncing is broken and needs to be fixed? Um, Many people floated the idea of splitting up iTunes. You would have one app to manage your media. You'd have another app for the iTunes store and another app for syncing. But my thought is, is it really a solution to present the user with three applications instead of one? I don't think, the concept of bloat, in my opinion, doesn't exist, since the features that are in an application that you're not using, they're just not there if you're not using it. I mean, no one says that BBEdit is bloated, yet it's probably the Mac application with the most discrete features, and particularly the most preferences. Mm -hmm. Um, In iTunes, if you're not using the video library, none of the video features are going to get in your way. Um, The problem is that syncing is a mess, and it, it, would removing it from iTunes be a solution i 'm not sure there there is this sort of cognitive logic to have the syncing controls right next to your media um, on the other hand, when you look at some of the stuff that it syncs, my guess is that we 're going to see some of these things removed the info tab for instance, um, which currently syncs contacts and calendars and email accounts and and some other than bookmarks um, this is probably all going to go to iCloud in Mountain Lion, or at least this is a guess. Um, the photo syncing kind of doesn't make sense in iTunes either because that's content that's not in iTunes. That's content that's in iPhoto. On the other hand, you want to have to open iPhoto every time you want to choose what you're going to sync to your iOS device. While I can certainly appreciate um, the frustration of people who do have trouble syncing, um, one thing that Jason and I had an email exchange and I said, you know, Jason, all the questions that I've been getting um, as the iTunes guy, very few people are complaining about syncing. Um, now, it's true that people like Jason or Dan Frakes or, you know, um, other people at Macworld who have lots of applications um, have a lot of stuff to sync. It's particularly messy if you go to set up a new iPhone or iPad and all of those folders that you spent hours creating disappear. I mean, I certainly agree. But I'm not sure that removing this from iTunes is an answer to anything. Um, what, what I would like to see in iTunes is the future is it would be faster. And this is something that if you have a big library, you've certainly noticed that it lags uh, at times. Um, but again... Apple probably realizes that those of us with really big libraries are just a small percentage of the people using iTunes Mm -hmm. Um, so you know do they really need to dedicate a lot of resources for this small percentage I'm, I'm not sure that it's really in their interest
0: Right. Well, I think the other issue, too, is that, again, iOS devices are also available to Windows users. There are more Windows users using these things than Mac users. So how do they split up iTunes on the Windows platform? Do they really want to go into the business of developing Windows software?
1: Well, the thing is that people that... When you hear criticisms of iTunes being bloated, air quotes there, um, these more often come from Windows users. And they often complain. In fact, I don't remember which journalist not a Macworld journalist um, complained a year or so ago about how it's bloated because it downloads I when you download an update as iTunes and there's QuickTime and there's you know all these sorts of things um, imagine the Windows user if iTunes becomes three applications and they're downloading three applications it doesn't matter how big it is they're just going to see three instead of one and they're going to say oh it's even more bloated now um, and I, I can imagine that tech support would be a little bit more confusing as well if instead of one application, you have three. Now, one potential idea would be making a sort of plug-in system to iTunes. Um, as it is, l- let's say that you don't have any videos in your iTunes library. You can, if you um, go to the iTunes menu and choose Preferences, click on the General tab, you can uncheck uh, Movies and TV Shows, and they won't show up. So you may get the feeling that there's less to get in your way in your iTunes library. It won't change anything. Programs no faster. Um, But you'll just see fewer things in in the sidebar uh, on iTunes. Now, would Windows users want to have separate applications or would they want to have something that maybe works in a system with plugins where you check things to choose what's being used and what's not? When I, when I think about that, though, I think about, let's see, was it Word 2000 on Windows, where you could choose which modules um, to install, which ones would go on the hard disk, which would be on the CD, so you would put the CD in when you need it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um and you go to, you choose a menu item in Word, or well, this was all of Office, and it tells you, well, this isn't installed. Do you want to install it? You've got to find the CD, or now it would be downloading something. It just gets more confusing when you try to split things up than when you have them all in one place,
0: I think. Yeah, and particularly because you're dealing with people who are not savvy, who, who don't know. They'd say, "Well, I don't know. Do I need this plugin or don't I need this plugin? I guess I want to put pictures on here, but I don't really know how to do that."
1: Yeah, the again, the photo thing is a little bit weird because it's the content that and the info tab are, are the content that's not in iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a sort of a logic in splitting them out. Um, again, info makes sense in iCloud photos. Well, it makes sense in iPhoto, but then you've got PhotoStream now. So maybe, you know, if they can get rid of some of this stuff, it would be a little bit easier. But it, it's just – it's confusing. The, the problem is that there's a lot of different kinds of media. The good thing is there won't be any more media. There's nothing left Un- unless they start coming up with holograms or something that we don't know about. You've got audio. You've got video. You've got books. Um, you've got podcasts. You've got ringtones. You've got photos. There's no other forms of media that iTunes doesn't manage. Right. So it's not going to get any worse. Um, At least you won't get another presentation in Cupertino one day saying, oh, we've added this to iTunes. Um, What, smell-o-vision? Holograms? (laughs) (laughs) I think we've got
0: a way to go before we get there. (laughs) The scratch and sniff iTunes. (laughs) Well, yeah, because that would be perfect with a touchscreen, wouldn't it? Uh, I'm sure that this is probably going to prompt more questions for you. So if people do have questions for Ask the iTunes Guy, where should they reach you?
1: Um, Well, they should go to the Macworld website and look for the Ask the iTunes Guy column, which appears every two weeks. Uh, The next column will be up on Friday, um, Friday, May 4th. Um, And... There's an email address there, um, the iTunes guy at macworld.com, and you can send in your questions. And uh, I'll make it very clear that I currently have more than 400 questions in my inbox. So what I try to do is try to find the most commonly asked questions or the most interesting questions. Um, every once in a while I'll get a question that I don't get asked often. Um, So those are the ones that I kind of choose. Um, The next column is all about iTunes Match, and it's really some of the most common questions about iTunes Match. Um, The last column was uh, iTunes Tips and Tricks, where I talked about some things like the little checkboxes and what they're for, the checkboxes next to tracks, um, how to uh, make a playlist showing recently added tracks, Um, What happens if you use Wi-Fi syncing and your iPhone doesn't show up in iTunes anymore? Um, So that was a a varied thing. Um, I try to either get a theme for uh, a column or for specific columns, just try and find the, the, the most interesting, weird questions I can.
0: Perfect. And I found that these columns have been really, really helpful. So thank you very much for writing them. Hey, it's a lot of fun for me. Great. And thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Kirk McElern and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac OS, iOS, and technology news views, and information at Macwell.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you again.